Hello, everybody, and welcome to Unboxing Story. My name is Jonathan Matos. And I'm Melissa Matos. And we're sponsored by LaCroix. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Let nice. me, but we are both drinking LaCroix today. Yes. <laughs> Let me take a second to uh, hit back at all those haters <laughs> of LaCroix. Because it's become very popular to make fun of people that like LaCroix. I happen to think it's a very nutritious beverage. Nutritious? You know, it's, it's water-based. It's not, it's it's not unnutritious, but I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say it's nutritious. I didn't know that Melissa was one of the haters, but... <laughs> I'm not a hater. I'm just trying to make sure you don't, you know, hype it up. Anyway, that's not the topic of today's episode. <laughs> and also, so we don't get sued, we're not sponsored by LaCroix. Um, but today, we're going to talk about Avengers Infinity War, because I am a major comic book nerd. <laughs> and this made me very happy, um, because I've been a Marvel, specifically a Marvel fan for a long time, um... When I was in the hospital 10 years ago, I got a Spider-Man comic book, and I immediately, you know, that was the same year that um, the Spider-Man movie came out. So, it was The like, Tobey Maguire one, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that one. You have to clarify. <laughs> Not the one with the lizard, which we'll, we won't talk about. No. Um, which, anyway, I like him. I like Andrew Garfield. He was... He What's was, the they, new one? They I did like him the one dirty. in this movie, because he was great. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, I, uh, wanted to talk about, because being a comic book fan, um, but also having started to watch a lot of film criticism, um, there was somebody that did, uh, a video on something called intertextuality, and their main point in bringing it up is that when you're watching something that's an ad- adaptation of, uh, an original work, there are a lot of, um, there are a lot of instances of, like, for example, the new 007. He gets an Aston Martin. He had an Aston Martin in the original movies. Um, so you're you're given this little nugget, and it's rewarding fans of the original, and it's kind of saying, like, you know, we, we, we know what you like, and we're willing to serve it to you. Um, but uh, as uh, Melissa was saying... There are series like Star Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. which do a lot of... So explain how that... Explain, that's, that's a good example. So, so he was pointing out that it can become a problem when you, when you do these sorts of add-ins where that becomes the main focus or that becomes the, the, the driving factor in the mm-hmm. story or something as opposed to it just being there as a, oh yeah, I remember that's how that's supposed to be kind of... Thing, yeah. which is like what James Bond was. He's like, yes, of course he's in a tux and he's drinking that kind of martini, uh-huh. and it's like, but it's side things. It's not like mm-hmm. this is main to the story. <clears throat> in Enterprise, large portions of what they tried to do with the story, not all of the episodes, some of them were really very good, but some of them were just seemed to be driven by this. We're gonna tie this in somehow. Dang it, whether we're <laughs> gonna <laughs> shoehorn that into this pot, and I was, it, it just was very forced. Right. It felt forced. It felt as, fake. As compared to how the the newest of the, when they rebooted Bond as Daniel Craig, that first movie was explaining to you why 007 is a womanizer the way he is. He's betrayed by a new partner who ends up dying tragically. And so there's this like tragic history that he has that starts with this woman that he learns to trust. 
ends up betraying him. And then ever since then, he puts up this armor against actually emotionally right. connecting with people. And his catharsis is, I'm going to save the day. Um, so it added to the mythos of 007 right. rather than just saying, you know, oh, here's um, Goldfinger, you know. Right. Like, you remember him. Right. And it's just, like, shot-for-shot things from old movies. Right. You don't want... you, you Or want even if they just throw it in as a joke, like in um, the new Clash of the Titans, <laughs> when they're digging through the chest. Yeah, there's a lot of they have this thing, movies. and they pull it out, and it's that owl, the little mechanical owl. Yeah. And they're like, what the heck is this? And they that was a away. complete... That was just funny. <laughs> and I was fine with that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> But there was a bunch of other stuff where you're just kind of like, no, you didn't have to, like, you don't have to force it to be, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just, it just, there's ways to put it's it like in. Pan, it's pandering. Yes. It's you're pandering. Pandering and, and, excuse me, when you have this, this the downside of LaCroix, <laughs> uh, um, you get throat goblins. Um, when you have a movie that is constantly reminding you, that's, that's a funny thing that uh, uh, the reviewer I watched, Brad Jones, Shout out to the cinema snob. Um, he uh, talks about it's a cardinal sin in movies when you reference a better movie in your movie. <laughs> and so, like, a lot of horror movies will do that. They'll show, like, Dracula or something on the screen, and it's like, yeah, I should be watching that movie. <laughs> yeah. Not this one. Um, so, uh, in addition to being an adaptation, because uh, Avengers Infinity War is a culmination of 10 years of, there's like something like 18 Marvel movies that led up to this one. You have all these different characters that you're trying to, you you, you want, like, I feel like their goal was, we know everybody has their favorite character. We know we've been leading up to this part of the story where Thanos comes and um, he's a big enough threat that we can actually put all these characters and realistically show that there's a challenge Mm -hmm. when he faces them. So, you know, rather than... um, I think they did a good job because rather than just being, like, having them do catchphrases or um, having little moments where it looks like different characters are hijacking the movie, they do very well with picking certain characters and showing growth in those characters maintaining a certain level of humor, a certain level of fun, uh, but without making it like um, Transformers or, um, you know, denying the the quality of movies that have led up to that point. So I have a list of some of the characters from these movies, and uh, as we go through them, we'll try to... uh, And (laughs) before we get too into it... Yes. Lots of spoilers. Go watch the movie and then come back and listen to it. It's well worth seeing in the theater. So if you haven't, please do. And then come back and listen to us. Um, so it starts out with Thor. Um, and you haven't seen Thor Ragnarok. So, um, it's the only one I haven't seen. Um, but it was fine. You can still understand what happens without that one. Yeah. <laughs> Other than why in the world does Thor suddenly only have one eye? <laughs> Which yeah, I didn't know. I, I'll leave that out. But um, it's interesting because they basically, in Ragnarok is interpreted as the destruction of Asgard. So rather than try to save Asgard as a place, they all just uh, leave okay. in this ship. But then, <laughs> oopsie, 
Thanos. Thanos shows up. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like uh, it's it's an interesting thing because the last Thor movie was very comedic. It was a comedic like director that that did it, and so there was a lot of kind of absurd things like, for example, his sidekick was a rock monster for most of it, um, and <laughs> there was a giant wolf. Um, there's a lot of like well, there very was a absurd. Giant wolf. In the in the mythology, so yeah, that works. Sure. Did um, they do the serpent, or no? I don't think so. Because they're anyway. supposed to be a big snake. That anyway. Anyway, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa wants Melissa. I want all the real Viking mist. Her version of pandering is to actually include things from <laughs> the original, text. from the real mythology. Um, but uh, I think they did a good job with showing you how. Um, you know, he he says in the movie that I, I dealt with the death of my father, the death of my sister, and my own hand because she was a bad guy. Um, and at the beginning, again, spoilers, uh, Loki is killed by Thanos. So Which was crazy. Immediately it becomes, and it's very, you know, it's, it's very understandable for a character like that because in mythology all the time people are dying and getting revenge for this and that. Yes. Like, he tries to make it seem like um, I'm, you know, I'm used to this. Yes. I'm a warrior. And so he explains to Rocket Raccoon, <laughs> of all people, yes. that um, I'm, and, and I think that him, him taking the time to ask Thor, how are you feeling, is very much in line with what his character was like at the end of Guardians 2. Yeah. Because the whole thing about his development from that movie was I realized that I am I'm I put on an aft act of toughness to deal with things, and it's like a defense mechanism. So I feel like both of those characters, while they were played for laughs and, and they were comic relief, they, they did a good job a of... Emotional- yeah, of, of giving them a, an emotional arc, um, but <laughs> but also like he calls him a rabbit uh, yeah, the, the whole time, time. <laughs> and I love how there are other characters that will call Rocket a raccoon, and he gets a rat, upset. and he gets upset. But Thor can call him a rabbit <laughs> because as soon as Thor shows up and he meets the Guardians because they pick him up basically after. Um, this stuff happens with the ship. Uh, he singles out Rocket as the most intelligent crew member. <laughs> and so obviously, he's obviously the captain. He's the smartest, and he's the captain, so he's so, with me. Uh, I like him in the tree. I thought that, yeah, I thought that whole dynamic, uh, and including Root in that. So this is um, basically everybody's dream mashups. Because they start well, mixing and like, matching characters I feel in like really they interesting did, ways. They did a good job. Yeah, they did. They, I think they did better than that. I think they did a good job of subverting expectation. Because I think you would, you might assume, um, for example, for maybe like Spider Man and Star Lord to get along right. or something like that. Like because they're both snarky, funny guys. And yeah, or or, um, you know, for um, the Hulk and. Black Widow to reconnect or something. Right. That that would be a big arc because they he's been away. Because you were expecting those. But things. they didn't even touch But they that. did a lot of mix-ups that I was not expecting. 
So but like yeah, they, the biggest one probably being Thorin Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. But um. <laughs> but yeah, that. So do you have anything to say about Thor before we before we move on? I like how how he's definitely turning into much more of a. He he feels a lot more like the Viking version of some big epic hero now, mm-hmm. as opposed to just yeah I'm gonna run around on Earth and fight some bad guys because y'all are weak and I need to protect you. Mm-hmm. Now it's there are big galactic crazy things going on, uh-huh. and I'm the only one strong enough to do this. Right. So I'm going to go ahead and take the hit and do this. Right. Which is actually to what Loki did was. I know what we are, and I know what this guy's going to do if we don't stop him, so I'm going to do what I have to do mm. to stop this guy. Right. And and uh, he does he does have a specific moment, uh, because later on he uh, he knows that he has to um, he has to push open this thing to uh, reignite this dying star. And so uh, it's not just like they set something up and then it's just kind of lip service. He actually gets a moment to say, like, I'm going to make this uh, weapon that could kill Thanos. Um, and I, I think of all the characters, I feel like the, the tone of his character is, is... I think his is the most fantastical. Yeah, and I, I think that makes it, it... There's two sides to it, because I think um, of all the characters, I think I like him probably less. Um, because I think Iron Man, uh, they, I think they have a better hold on when Iron Man is trying to be funny, he's deflecting and it, maybe it could have something to do with, uh, the fact that Robert Downey Jr. is an amazing actor. Um, well, I think too, the other ones are a little more relatable. Right. And I think that's what makes it. Thor is much more. I was going to say it's very very difficult. It was very high. It was very, they Mm -hmm. sounded Shakespearean when they did their movies. Like it was a very. A yeah. pure sort of thing, so, uh, but he's uh, actually coming into his own as that a pure kind of crazy hero. Uh-huh. I, I was gonna say it's very difficult to write because you have this person who is literally a god and um, has all that baggage of like everything that we do with him. He has to be in line with um, this very specific tone, and so what they're doing, and I think, I think going the way of like DC where. It's very dark and um, brooding and stuff like that. I think they did a they did a good job in in the sense of realizing like he has to have a sense of humor, or nobody's going to take this character seriously. Right. Um, but I think that it's been difficult for them to because I I feel like they're winking with his character a little bit too much, where like he there he says some things that are just kind of like um, it seems like. Before, he was just Thor, and it was funny, like like doing like that whole thing in the cafe of like like treating people like they should be right. serving him and stuff like that. I feel like he they because of how um, each of his movies have been so much focused on his history, and it doesn't really seem like he spends like they haven't really they they pay lip service to the fact that. He has a girlfriend on Earth and that he spent time on Earth, but you don't really see that. Yeah. It makes it less uh, relatable that, like, he's learning, how, like, how to, ch- like, his character shift. I'm just like, where did it come from? Because he seems more like a real person now yeah. than he did. Um, but at that, at that, there's a lot of people that are, I think, are more critical of it 
than I am. Um, because I I still find him funny. I don't think that his stuff falls flat. No, it's just no. a it just it's a very different sort of character. And this is the first time I think of I can think of that we actually ever really see him vulnerable like that. Uh huh. I mean, like you saw it some in how he deals with Loki. Because he has the whole conflict of he's my brother, but he's doing horrible things, and I'm trying to get him to turn around. Right. But in this one now, he literally is like, I have nobody, mm-hmm. but I'm still going to be the hero. Right. Um, and I, I think another thing about his character that makes it difficult is that the conflicts with him are set up in an in, in archetype, so that like the reason he keeps trusting his brother is because... That's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you always trust Loki. He will always betray you. Um, they did a very good job of bringing that to a head. Right. Where finally Loki said, like, you know what? No, I'm going to yeah. um, finally stick up for my brother. Um, but, like, with something like Cap and and Iron, Iron Man, you a lot of people can relate to that and relate to Iron Man's, like, uh, neur- neuroticism. Right. Uh, whereas the Thor thing just comes from... This mythic right. thing that some people know about, some people don't. So, um, but I, I feel if like you, if they you haven't did a good read job. any Viking myths, Norse myths, I should call it. Sorry, if you have not read any of the Norse myths. You should because they're just about that crazy. <laughs> um, well, that's the thing is that I know a lot about Greek mythology. Right, it's not so that bad. They're actually makes... not that horrible. They're they're oh. a lot more likable than the Greek gods, really. <laughs> right. The Greek gods seem a little moody. Yeah, like, a wee bit. Or bipolar. Like the worst. They're just. Hedon, hedonistic all over the place. <laughs> yeah. The Norse gods have more purpose, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway. So that's so, yeah, cool. so I think yeah, I think that was set up well. So um to go into um so we we got a little bit into Guardians, but then uh the the movie really shifts more to uh Doctor Strange. Um I love this stuff where they're talking about the sandwich shop. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> just like every day in New York, I'm just gonna. Yeah, and know. that's always been so funny about his character or that he has. He is. is he in New York? I don't even know where he well, is. Well, he has the Sanctum Sanctorum, which is in New York. Right. right? But it's like funny to juxtapose that with the fact that he has like this museum full of yeah, like amazing, amazing magic mystical things. artifacts, and it's just in Brooklyn or something. Right. It's like he's just going out so for a funny. sandwich. Um, so and later do. on, there's jokes about ice cream, which I think is oh, yeah, yeah. funny because they took and, and that they that's need to another, come up with those flavors for real now, though. Right, used to be a thing. <laughs> I'm sure they're working on it. Wong likes chunky monkey. <laughs> just the word chunky monkey is so funny. That <laughs> <laughs> so just hearing him say no, that, that one is a thing. thing. But the other, the Avenger named ones, they need to oh, make right. a thing. because yeah. those are funny. <laughs> but anyway, so. Uh, Doctor Strange, his uh, arc is pretty much that he has the um, time stone. Yes. Oh. By the way, I also got confused because there is a yellow one and there is an orange one. They are oh, two different ones. You... And I thought they were the same color. And I was confused <laughs> as to why he was going after That's the same funny. color like, one. Wait, I thought he already had that one. Yeah. Yeah, well. So now you know there are two different colors. They just look very similar. Don't get confused. In case you're colorblind. Um, <laughs> well, in that case, you're sunk anyway. Yeah. Why is he going after Grey Stone? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poor people. Anyway, so um, his and I think I think that the, this kind of goes back to the comics um, because the core of that character, and I think it's interesting that they they, I mean, 
they understand a lot of stuff about these characters. I'm not going to say that they're idiots, but the one of the major themes with Doctor Strange is everybody else has they deal with like uh, military problems, like actual one-on-one fights that make sense. <laughs> Whereas with me, I am the Sorcerer Supreme. I kind of like the Green Lanterns are in a way. I deal with like this whole other problem that nobody else even really understands things. or gets. So you get that you get those the internal problems of arrogance and um, being like a control freak and stuff. And that's why it's always been funny and they kind of show show us a little bit when Spider Man and him meet because Spider Man is so um, he deflects with humor and like he takes nothing seriously and Doctor Strange is very serious, serious. about everything. everything. <laughs> um, so his whole thing is that like when Iron Man finds out that he has the time stone, he's he's like, well, you know, maybe we could try to destroy it. And Doctor Strange is like, hey, it's funny. Um, and like Iron Man is trying to take control of the situation, but Doctor Strange feels like I need to. Be, I'm the one that's responsible for this. So, um, you know, it, it's my prerogative to to actually decide what happens. Um, and I feel like they did a good... Like, that's that's something from the core of the character that they developed well. Uh, I don't need to necessarily discuss what they do with it, but he, he make, does make a decision. Um, and it ends up... He ends up sacrificing his life for it. Um, so it's an interesting... Um, arc for him that resonates with uh, the, the move, his movie um, and it does well for the character is there any specific Doctor Strange thing that you enjoyed or disliked or? <laughs> I liked the interactions between him and because especially since it was him <clears throat> and both Iron Man and Spider-Man mm-hmm. yeah that was an interesting trifecta because right. they could have just had Spider-Man go back to Earth right. and be with other people but they kept all three of them there, and then the Guardians of the Galaxy show up, or some of them. So, it's very much this, uh... I don't know, it's, it's, it's just interesting, the, the different goals that they all had. Mm-hmm. And, like you say, Iron Man's trying to take control, because he's, he's used to being in charge. Right. And Spider-Man's just like, oh my word, this is so awesome, I get to do a thing! Uh-huh. And... You know, Doctor Strange is like, you all have no idea what's going on. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the Guardians are just kind of like... I think I think we can talk about all three of them <clears throat> because they're all in kind of baked into that one storyline um, because um, uh, Iron Man comes to uh, the Sanctum Sanctorum to um, get, the, get this Infinity Stone, try to get it away from Thanos, um, and then they end up... Uh, how do they get onto the spaceship? Because it lands okay. in front of them. Right. And, um... Excuse me. Well, they take... They capture Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. And then Iron Man gets on to save Oh, okay, right. And Spider-Man... Well, actually, Spider-Man, I think, gets on first, and Iron Man catches up. Right. And then he tries to send Spider-Man home so that he's not in danger on the ship, but he ends up staying. So it's the three of them against these weird alien guys on the spaceship who they eventually defeat. Mm -hmm. 
and then they crash on this other planet, which, by the way, the other planetscapes on this movie were awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, that was, the, that was uh, one of the things. So there's two intertextuality bubbles that floated up for me. Uh, one is which, like, the, the way that Iron Man tries to get Spider-Man off the ship is by taking something that he just apparently had on him, which was this uh, suit that he developed for him um, that had a parachute on it. So he hits him with this orb thing, or this disc, and it uh, starts uh, Because a nanite-made Spider-Man suit, which is right. cool. Because, yeah. well, Iron Man revealed his at the beginning of the movie. Which was awesome. Which was awesome. <laughs> and then Spider-Man gets one. Right. And it's, it's actually stuff. from Civil War because uh, just like in the movies... The comic Civil War. Yeah, just like in the movie Civil War, um, Spider-Man is on Iron Man's side. And it very much plays up that father-son type relationship because he looks up to Iron Man. Um, so he develops that suit for him and it has a uh, little uh, crawly, like, almost like Doctor mini Dr. Octopus legs. legs. Yeah. Um, which I guess are spider legs. Uh, but uh, those come in handy because they're like stabilizing things, like what he doesn't actually have arms or legs to use. They pop up and um, help him. And um, they're, it's, like a, it's like a suit of armor. Uh, so that, when I saw that in the trailer, I was like, oh, that's cool. That's like a reference to the suit from the comics. Um, but again, it was just something that was there. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Um, and then... The other thing was the, um, there was, oh, you were saying about the different landscapes. Uh, I was disappointed, which I don't know why, but I, I, I think because I was watching the Guardians movies and, um, I think they did a lot in Doctor Strange that was like, you know, ways of showing like, this is a different, what you know about the Marvel Universe, forget about it. Because there are these type of villains and these types of challenges. And what this movie, I think, did well was it, it created, it, boy, did it yeah. <laughs> create, like, urgency in terms of, like, this is a threat that they haven't faced before. And so that, I think, goes to a lot of, like, Thanos actually, like, turning weapons into bubbles. <laughs> and, um... You know, uh, throwing a moon at, at the heroes. Like, yeah, that was a upped, level of threat. They upped the scale quite a bit in this movie. Um, like, but also, that has to do with the, the different scale. places that they go. Right. They go to Thanos' home planet, um, which has been decimated and everything, so that was a cool looking place that, that they fought. Um, they go to the left of the collector's planet. Uh huh. They go to that place, that Thor's forge star uh-huh. thing, which was really cool. Right. So they they really do create uh uh oh like these diff this uh, these worlds and these new places and it it makes the scope feel a lot bigger, um and so that that really works well. Um, so, uh, Spider Man we we mentioned uh goes, uh with those two, and I think they did a good job of um. I, I'm going to repeat myself a lot, but it, I think they handled Spider-Man's, um, that father-son dynamic uh, by showing you how he, like, when Iron Man knights him and says, you're an Avenger now, 
that was a really cool yeah. moment to show, like, this is what he's always he's wanted. wanted forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it, it's not necessarily that there's um, a lot of screen time that's just devoted to Spider-Man, but those little moments were enough to show. Oh, yeah. They do that. They wants. do a good job of that in general. Nobody really dominates the movie per se. Mm-hmm. None of the heroes really dominate the movie per se, right. but they all have important moments. Right. Which have like we were talking about before actually this recording. Um, every other movie has been setting up for these important moments. Like, these moments wouldn't mean as much if we hadn't seen all the other movies. We were saying it's like a third act to these other things because you've set up what the character wants. You've set up, because they've had individual moments or or individual movies, they've had some kind of thing that they've learned from those movies to now either, uh, you know, either they take a step forward or they, they take a step back. Um, and before I before I skip Iron Man, um, that was one thing that was set up with him was that uh, he has the opportunity to call Captain America and he decides not to. So you set up that he, you know, was at the end of the Civil War, he was trying to kill Captain America and or Bucky, and he has yet to get over that. So that was like showing you like he's not over that, but we need to they need to get that character to the point where he's willing to forgive Captain America because the threat is too big to ignore. Um, and I thought that that was a good way of... Um, and I, I agree with the people that are assuming, like, uh, because there's always been rumors about him and Chris Evans that one of them is, like, their contract is going to be up, they're yeah. going to move on to other things. And I would imagine Iron Man before, the, before Chris Evans because... Robert Johnny Jr.'s had more Iron Man movies than there have been Captain America yeah, right. movies. So and he might be willing is, to be done with it. He's older. I mean, a Although, lot of but he's awesome, and it would be really sad because I really, really love him as yeah. Iron Man. Like, a lot. Um, but, like, I, I, I feel like this movie gets a lot of credit for, like, actually providing some kind of closure. Yeah. Like, it seems like there is an effort to, uh, if, we're, if we're going to reboot the Marvel Universe, we're going to close the chapter on some of these actors and start the chapter for new ones you know this is setting up uh what what seems like it's going to be a very good payoff and um iron man that seems to be his thing is there anything specific from iron man that you like uh his suit is awesome as you yes it's amazing um and that that's another thing is that they also continue the threat of him and Pots because people were complaining that at the end of Iron Man 3 he was basically, it was more it was very much like Shane Black's movie and what Shane Black decided to do was basically make it like I'm I'm getting over my neuroticism about stuff and I'm finally going to stop being Iron Man but then at the beginning of this one right. He's like, Pots no. is just like you're never going to stop being Iron yeah. Man and I thought that was a good way of uh, living that back, but yeah. anyway, don't um, overshadow you. Uh... I think his was the most obvious. I have to face a darkness in myself. Uh huh. Moments. Yeah, it's definitely like some of the other ones had yeah. external conflicts that they had to meet or whatever. But he's got a lot internally that he has to overcome. Right. Because, like you said, he he had supposedly been ready to give up being Iron Man. Um, he's trying to overcome wanting to be in charge of everybody else. Right. 
he's trying to overcome uh, having to shelter Spider-Man. Like, there's a bunch of internal right. issues that he has Yeah. that he's going to have to deal with in the next one, too, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Be the hero he needs to be. Especially since he probably was also the most selfish of all of them. Mm-hmm. So if, if it is going to be him that sacrifices himself, that would probably be the ultimate end of his arc is because he's now realizing, no, I have to... It's not about me anymore. Right. And I got to do what I got to do. And there's there's so much tied up in killing Captain America that it's like... Like, I, I, I they've set it up in the comics at some point where Winter Soldier took over okay. that mantle. Um, but it's, it's so hard when you... It's like with... Um, like with Batman, like having having that iconic of a character not exist in your universe anymore, but especially when it's like America is dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's that that's really yeah, hard it, to do. It would be a bit much. So if I were to pull, if you if I had to choose one that they were going to, it would make more sense for Iron Man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think that that's and like you were saying, like there's not just the one. And any one of these conflicts all tied together for him, and uh, it contributes to what he's going to have to deal with right. in the next movie. Um, so the next thing on my list is for the Guardians, which I, <laughs> I love them. So just much. makes me so happy. <laughs> and I was going to say like that. That kind of hooks into as a fan of the comics. Um, uh, one thing that we always, uh, as comic book fans, advocate for is for these movies to not um, be afraid to be imaginative and fun and introduce really weird ideas. And so and that's everything. And don't get everything. much weirder than a tree and a talking raccoon. Yeah. So the so. fact that they were that they took that risk and that it's still paying off and that they're like the highlight of these movies is really cool to see. Um, so Groot is still... Uh, crabby teen group yeah who in this movie has a video some game kind of like old, old 80s video game. like a like a not even a like not even a game boy like we're talking it's like a space one invaders, game on a thing it's uh, hilarious like like game that he's just kind of like in the background <laughs> playing all the time and so uh, rocket will be like get get rid of that thing it's rotting your brain like a lot of the characters <laughs> Sound like parents when they when they talk to him. And I think that's probably a big part too of Rockets becoming more than just the the crazy mm-hmm. want to shoot everything jerk that he was right. at the beginning. Is now he feels like Groot's his kid. Uh huh. At least the way that's the way he seems to behave a lot is he treats Groot like he's his son. Right. And that's changed Rocket a lot. Right. And then of course now um, Star Lord and. Gamora actually have a relationship, mm-hmm. and so there's them kind of both being more than just whatever they were before. Uh-huh. Like, everybody has everybody has become so much more than they were yeah. from their original movies. And, and it's interesting because I, I just watched Guardians 2 again uh, before this movie, and um, at the end of that, like you're saying, he she finally admits to him that t- the unspoken thing that he was, you know, talking about that is there... Um, and so what's funny is that he's still very immature and he's not necessarily like making, um, he didn't make a complete 180 in terms no. of his character, but he makes choices that show her that he does really care about her. And 
This is so sad. Because it's so sad. I, uh, it's interesting because when I went to see Guardians, I got uh, a Gamora pin. Oh, did you? And and I, I think of all the female super characters, she's really done, done for me, like, a lot of work in, in setting herself apart from, like, there are people like Wonder Woman, like, she got her own movie. So, obviously, like, you get more of her character. She's very likable, and, and that character did did a lot for women in, in comics, uh, movies. Um, but I think, you know, she really, uh, more than anyone who is just kind of appearing in movies, um, did a lot to set herself apart as the quintessential, I'm a badass, um, <laughs> like, assassin girl who uh, also works as a real character like she's not um you know hypersexualized to be like some kind of fantasy type character she's a human being and what's also really cool about her is part of her arc has to do with uh sisterhood right and it is a very family having having like had to compete with her sister all this time and being forced into this weird family her strength comes from showing that like she is noble and is trying to uh, protect her sister and, like, still work things out with her, even after her sister's, like, doing all this really horrible stuff. Um, Do you think she... Just going off on a side rant now. (laughs) Not a rant, really, but... uh Do you think she is more... She was made more of a central character in Guardians than Black Widow was in Avengers? I would think so, because the... um, it's interesting because you do have parts of Avengers um, where, like, Hawkeye and her, you get the idea that, like, she has stuff in her past that she wants to atone for. But I, I would say that of John Joss Whedon's writing, um, it's been it's been kind of weak in terms of, like, when, when that came out in that movie... It was a cool peak, but you didn't. It didn't really feel real. You didn't see something or um, really get the weight of, behind that statement, right? That she has things that she regrets. And then in the second movie, there was a whole bunch of people that were pissed off about her because you you get the fa- like a lot of that weight was like the only thing that you got from it was that she was unable to bear children. So it seemed like that was the thing that made her past horrible. I think if you were to ask Joss Whedon, he would say that was just an example of right. something that her character felt was... was, was, a, was a it was important to her, regret. but it was taken <clears throat> from her. Um, but I think with Gamora, because you have the fact that she's a daughter of Thanos, because and, and you see a lot of that in this movie, because you have the stuff with her sister, and because she's kind of like the matriarchal figure in this weird family that family of lost of. boys that are yeah. running around like and, and, and I think a lot of she's that she's Wendy with, John <laughs> that's she's true she's totally Wendy but she plays Zoe Saldana plays it so well where yeah. she's very much like like uh, like Drax not gonna like her um, acting really brings out this like and it's, I think it's very hard especially when you're in movies that are so uh, geared towards men and uh, have a history, at least, of being placating to men. To, not number one, not be over-sexualized, but number two, uh, it was a big problem with um, 
Breaking Bad and uh, Walking Dead, where the two female characters were immediately lambasted for being, you know, uh, overly, uh, you know, being bitches. You know, like... Uh, just well, that's look, true, and she's just, not... She's not mean at all. Right. She's not... And she, I think there's... She's, there's she's been, a normal person. There's been... Um, not normal, but, you know... There's been debates <laughs> in terms of, like, well, are you just a 20-year-old who's never talked to a woman? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's part of the problem. But, um, like, it, it's very difficult when you have a male character that you're trying to write negatively about. You're trying to show that they have things to approve. And you have a woman in their life to not just write everything that is, like, critical about that person and have that be making them overly critical so that they don't solve all their problems right away. <laughs> like, it's very convenient to just make them not helpful. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, that's part of why they um, don't don't solve things about themselves. Um, but I, I'm going to miss her character. She is killed by Thanos to get the Soul Stone. Uh, and I think that moment does a lot for his character. Um, but... We'll get to that later. Um, I just think they did a really good job. I mean, so it is It is always hard to put female superheroes. Always <laughs> had a rough time. We've got just, Electra. They have terrible solo movies, generally woman. speaking. And they're really hard to add into group movies because, like you said, they tend to either be overly sexualized or they're to be a problem. Just to get help. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic Four. That was so hard. <sighs> But, like, oh. I thought Black Widow was really well done because they could very easily have made her the kind of spy that just goes and sleeps with guys to get the information she needs. And mm-hmm. instead she has a very convenient, very uh, clever, witty way mm-hmm. of like, interrogating people. And I say right. interrogating with air quotes because she makes it look like she's sad and vulnerable and gets you to monologue uh-huh. in front of her and then says, oh, well, thanks for telling me and leaves. Uh-huh. Um, and can still beat up people when she feels like it. Right. Um, and made her, you know, she wasn't there just to be a romantic interest to anybody, because as you find out later, Hawkeye is married. Uh-huh. So right. it's not like she was with him ever. Yeah. And all those other things. Uh, yeah, I, I think that they've done well with writing her in terms of, like, making her feel like a real person. Right. Uh, it's not, it's not that she is written poorly. I, I just like Gamora better. <laughs> person. <laughs> And then um, Scarlet Witch also became a major player, at least I guess it's by in Civil War, mm-hmm. right? Or was it the second Avengers movie that she was became a bigger character, and then now in this one was more well, integral. Um, for well, reasons. she she was um, in Captain America's Winter Soldier. Right. She was with Cap for the for the a lot of the movie, and so that was interesting because it was very obvious that. Um, she was confident because, like, there's that one thing where, like, she's like, we need to act like a couple, and then she makes out with him. And I think a lot of dudes visually assume, oh, that means that she's, like, loose or something. But when you show how that character is and show how, like, a, how as a woman, as a confident woman, uh, she uh, is trying to get Cap to realize certain things and, like, like, basically, I feel like she treated him like a, one of the guys right. kind of thing. Yeah. So, like, whenever there would be, like, something where she's, like, pressing him up against the wall or something like that, I think all the guys in the room are supposed to feel like Cap, where it's, like, this beautiful woman is, like, pressing him up against the wall. 
But rather than focus on her as a sexual object, it showed that she was just doing her job and um, and helping him in the way that a woman would. Um, so I, I feel like that 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 movie I think uh, does a lot for her and and showing that she can be powerful and um, you know she uh, she is like you're saying very clever and um, uh, I think her act, her acting um, lends her to being like you know she her and Hawkeye are actually very similar in the sense that they're both very capable. And they're both very unaffected. Yeah. Um, and, like, they when it's time to do the right thing, they're always there. Yeah, to they're do just... That. I mean, I know they're not, um, like, central, central characters. They're still kind of secondary support characters. But I, what I think is that I don't think that Kevin Feige or the people at Marvel know what they want to do with her. Uh. And so it seems like they're, they're kind of stalling with what they want her actual background to be. And okay. so it's kind of just like, well, vaguely she has... Red in her she ledger. Yeah. We'll deal with that. <laughs> Whereas with Gamora, it seems like they really yeah, they, they thoughtfully have been because of what this movie is. Especially this is. Um, so but yes. I was uh, yeah. All right. So go ahead. Yeah. So the the Guardians are always fun. Yes. Um, and uh, so w- w- and Star Lord Star Lord meeting Iron Man is not a disappointment <laughs> yeah. at all. It goes exactly as well as you would expect. And it was and lovely. I think that uh, I, I wasn't thinking about this, but because. Uh, because Star-Lord knows the extent of his power, I think that, uh, well, number one, when they're trying to get the Infinity Stone, I think he's he's con- it shows that he is conscious and at least smart enough to know, if I get it, I can actually probably handle it yeah. in a way that another that character can. But the funny thing is, is that he's still not at the level where people trust and respect him right. enough to let well, him take the leadership really, role. And I was surprised, actually, because at the end of um, the second Guardians movie, mm-hmm. doesn't he realize now he's he's half God or whatever it is that right. he is? But does he not have control over that kind of crazy nonsense, or like is it yeah, limited? Yeah, I think that's the kind that of the idea concept? of it. So he doesn't, he doesn't, because like it's kind of like Luke with none the of his fight scenes involve him doing anything cosmic. Yeah, because it's kind of, and so to analogize it to Star Wars, he's force sensitive but not trained. Okay, so, so he like, could eventually do crazy nonsense. Yeah, but he doesn't know so how to. Because yet. ego was trying his. Because I expected when he had that one part where he realizes Gamora's dead. And Iron Man realizes he's about to lose it. <laughs> he starts trying to like, don't, right. don't, don't, don't do it. I thought he was going to go cosmic then right. and do something, but he still didn't. He just kind of beat on the big yeah. guy. And I'm like, you do realize this isn't doing anything, right? Yeah. You can blow him up yeah. with your mind. But they, need, they needed that, like, hubris thing of, like, right. he's not thinking. Right. He is just He's just angry. reacting and angry and yeah. ticked. <laughs> um, so uh, that I think that leads us well to Thanos and how... Gamora. Wait, 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 we cannot skip Black Panther. Well, that's in other characters. Really Why is he them. other characters? Because he doesn't really have... That's the thing, is that there are other characters like Cap and like Black Panther who we, as an audience, Love. know Lots. are awesome. Yes. <laughs> and especially since Black Panther just came out, they were very intelligent to be like, okay, if this character exists, people know about him, 
guess where we go when we want to be when safe? we need to be safe. We go to the we awesome to, dude we go to who's got the massive shield around Wakanda, and we can defend ourselves right. indefinitely from hordes of aliens. I just wanted to throw that in there because it was awesome. <laughs> and Yeah, I, 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 you, can, you can talk about it. And they were brilliant, and those, I love that his sister's that real brilliant scientist that's like, I'm going to fix this for you. By the way, I didn't even... You have no idea what you're doing, do you? <laughs> I didn't realize this, but she's a Disney princess, and she's happy about that. Is she really? Well, I mean, she's... Oh, I guess, yeah, technically. Yeah, she's the... That's right. The she's the princess of, of Wakanda, so she counts as a Disney princess. Yeah. I like this. <laughs> yeah, so she was... They're just funny the other day. She was like, I'm a Disney princess now. I don't know how to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I, yeah, I, to go into that, like, the... Um, they do a very good job of reminding you uh, how cool Black Panther is and uh, showing you him... Uh, stepping up and being like, you know, I'm I'm an ally to, uh, you know, to be relied upon in a time of need, and I think that's one of the shots that a lot of people are calling out, where uh, the Thanos unleashes a horde of these unthinking, kind of reptile monsters, uh, and at first they they shield up the place where there's like this big force field, but uh, they decide to let some of them in, and um, it's kind of cool to see Black Panther and Captain America running together. Yeah. But Black Panther's just a little, <laughs> a little bit faster. Bit further. <laughs> so uh, that was a really cool part. And um, I think a lot of people were, like, Melissa was saying there was somebody uh, next to her that was, like, uh, very excited because he had just seen Black Panther. And, you know, you get the idea that he's this might be one of his first superhero movies. But his girlfriend knew all the comics. all the Marvel things, and so she had to stop and explain every now and then what was going on. And like, oh, by cute. the way, Bucky is his friend from World War Two. Yeah, got frozen with him. Yeah, and just the long roundabout explanation of who that is. Brainwashed, but okay, now he's hiding good? out in Africa. Okay, yeah, <laughs> and we're good. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like uh, with uh, Black Widow and Cap and um, Black Panther, they did a good job of. Showing you that these characters are here, they're ready to fight. They gave them moments to be cool and do things, do cool things. Uh, like for example, with uh, with Scarlet Witch, uh, which we'll get into. They, her vision have a thing. But um, with Scarlet Witch and uh, I don't, I can't say any of the other names besides T'Challa because I know <laughs> that from the comics. But the general, his general, his right hand woman, um, and. A Black Widow all uh, fight this this huge daughter of Thanos, um, and uh, it's kind of cool because it's like all women fighting. Right. But um, also, it just lets them all have kind of cool really moments. Really awesome scenes, yeah. And like, like the uh, general girl um, sees Scarlet Witch for the first time fighting, and it's just like, why was why she was up there she the whole up there time? This whole time, she should have been here fighting with us. Yeah. Because Scarlet Witch does have some amazing powers. Yeah. Um, uh, which they can't explain, but, you know. Because yeah, for copyright reasons. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, if there's anything else you have about I just think we should Black do... I wanted, to, I wanted to jump on your order here and say that we should do all the other characters first and talk Before, about Thanos last. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision have a big part of the story. Because Vision has one of the stones in, in his, his face. Head, right there. <laughs> so, obviously that's going to be Is his the yellow one or the orange one? That's the only thing I can't understand. Not that it matters really, but... 
Because it's the mind one. The yellow right? one. It's, it's the mind yellow. one. Yellow. Okay. Um, because uh, I think it contrasts better with green, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know if they changed any of the colors <laughs> I don't know. from what they are in the I comics. did try to read. Uh, well, 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 we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we okay. get, we, we'll have that, too. Um, but uh, I think, for one, it's a very awkward thing as adapting Vision and Scarlet Witch when one is human and the other one is a robot to make that romance work and by gummit they did it they did because I tend to forget that Vision is not a person right because there's so many aliens running around in this movie yeah you're just kind of like oh he's just another alien and I think well number one they don't have him hanging around in his uh, in his yes he he camouflages himself like he just is Paul Bettany and so you're just like of course you like Paul Bettany. Yeah, because it's Paul Bettany. Um, and both actors do a very good job. Uh, they, they have chemistry and they, um, they're they just doing relationshipy things. They're not calling out the fact that one is a witch and one is a robot. Um, but that's... I think a lot of characters... Excuse me. A lot of fans have that in their heart as like a cute relationship from the comics. Because the interesting thing you get with... Um, and having an android character is that you get more of just like, um, and especially because they're, they do that whole thing of Ultron bad, Vision good, uh, you get that thing of like, this is just the paragon of a man, because he's like, I've just learned what being a man is, <laughs> and so he's very polite. And very innocent. And, yeah, still. and very innocent. So like, having him be in a love relationship even though to, 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 to take it mentally to where it goes, um, you, uh, it, you get that part of the, the dynamic that he is innocent and, um, like, there's a part where he says, um, I think, I think that I, well, I'm just going to say it, I love you, or something like that. Like, he, you get that whole thing of, like, uh, overthinking things and yeah, trying like to do things logically and he has, when in the realm not, of love you so can't do that. <laughs> normally and John knows this because I have tried to watch movies that he is like to ex machina and other things where there are constructs mm-hmm. of people that were made. Right. But they were made with the purpose of being I'm going to make this my version of an ideal woman or whatever. Uh-huh. Or maybe even with Westworld, which is probably why I haven't watched Westworld, because it's this whole idea of, like, you were making these there's people... A, there's a lot of reasons not to people watch People for you. Westworld. Right? Yeah. Like, the whole purpose is to make them for you. Yeah. And and Vision, also, from that, you get a very cynical view, view of, of humanity. Yes. Whereas Vision was not created for a person. Mm-hmm. Vision was an amalgamation of things mm-hmm. that ended up becoming a person. Right. You know what I mean? It's the difference between, and, and also why I realize I don't think it bothers me in Star Trek when, like, holographic characters or, or Data becomes more of a human person. Uh-huh. Because they weren't building him on purpose to say, you are going to be this thing. Mm-hmm. It's, we're going to do this thing, and it happens to become sentient. Right. On its own. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But it bothers me a lot. The other stuff bothers me a lot. But Vision uh-huh. doesn't bother me like that. Vision, yeah. I could see being okay. Like he just happens to now be a sentient being. Like they didn't right. do. They didn't claim that they made him. They don't claim to own him. They don't claim that he's their robot slave. Like he's a person right. yeah. to them, to all of them. Right. So it's different. And I think that's the key to his character, and it's what, throughout the movies, 
if you're going to look at the text of everything that comes before being brought to this, uh, they set that up in terms of him being a very innocent and, uh, uh, you know, kind of like a miracle character. Right. Who... Like, it just happened. He wasn't... Right. Stark and, wasn't and trying to not, make that. And through I, it... And what's interesting, and, and this, um, this kind of goes to um, something that... Uh, there's a psychologist that me and my sister have been following uh, named Jordan Peterson uh, who um, was talking about when artists are trying to send a message and make basically end up making propaganda versus having some kind of like vision or this this cool idea that comes out and uh, I feel like that is more towards what they they haven't been trying to say anything really with vision they haven't been referencing him as an artificial intelligence that could one day become evil yeah like it's just a character and so by making him a character who learns and adapts and it's very organic and so you have this arc where um he uh was essentially from his inception very optimistic and since then was willing even in the face of sure destruction uh, able to make that sacrifice for somebody that he loves it's a very uh, it's a, it, that arc works and it brings to bear stuff from the comics and from the other uh, movies um, and to go with Scarlet Witch too uh, she had um, like her ha- being the impetus for um, the war in that she makes a mistake and he feels like protective of her um, they kind of follow that thread too where you know um, they're kind of like trying to make their relationship work while she's a fugitive and she when he is in danger is unwilling to leave his side so that also goes to what you know her past was um, and does a real good job of, of keeping that in there um, but I'll be interested to see what they do um with her, if, if they do um, bring her back, because as you may or may not know, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're, you're listening better, to this, and you, you better don't want know, to know. You really want to turn it off now, because now we're going to just start yeah. talking about death count, and this is yeah. going to uh, make everybody sad. So, uh, I'll say that Thanos' this whole thing is the whole time he's saying, I want to destroy half the world because. Half the universe, yeah? Yeah, half, yeah, half the universe. Because. Um, my home world was uh, overpopulated. There were too many wars, too many famines. So, uh, my solution is I'm gonna decrease the surplus population. Yeah, <laughs> yes. To quote um, Charles Dickens, um, well, Ebenezer Scrooge. I won't say that Dickens said no. that. <laughs> Dickens, through a character who was an idiot, said that. Um, so his thing is that. You like you don't understand. I'm having mercy on you because I'm letting some people live and some people die. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we're gonna have balance, and that's his whole character thing. And um, it really is his movie because in in terms of having a character who is the one that's pushing the plot forward, because the one that dominates this movie, it is it is about Thanos. Yeah. He is the one making decisions, and because none of them can 
come close to defeating him, um, at, you know, in different locations as they are. Um, and he's really just moves from stone to stone collecting them. He is the protagonist in terms of this, and he's the one who wins. So he gathers the stones, he snaps his fingers, and, and everybody but the original Avengers just disappears. <laughs> of the main characters. Yeah, so... And, you know, half the world disappears, cars start crashing, it's the it's the end of the world, you know. Right. So what people have been saying is that everybody who died before that is dead. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Gamora's dead. Yeah. Still not sure about Loki, because you never know with Loki. Right, and... Because um, it is possible that they come back. I uh, imagine. And, and, and Vision, because and Vision, Vision got the Because we don't know if, if, they, if the people in Wakanda managed to get right. him disconnected from the stone before so he died. What I was going to say is that with Scarlet Witch's character, uh, it could be interesting because um, I think her powers go awry, and um, she kills... In the comics, there's a, a storyline called Avengers Dis- Disassembled, where something happens, she gets real stressed out, and she kills Vision, Hawkeye, and somebody else, I think, with her reality powers. So the Avengers are, and, and everybody else are just like, what do we do? Because she didn't mean to do this, but she did. She did. <laughs> and so... she's too powerful to just leave alone. Um, so I don't know if they're going to go, because she disappeared and... I think maybe is more likely to come back. I don't know if they're going to do that. I would be um, hesitant to say that they should because I think that that could go into the... Like, in the comics, it's it's interesting because you... She ends up trying to solve the problem by doing what her father always wanted, by making mutants in charge. But I I don't know what they could do that wouldn't have a lot of people saying, like, well, once their man's not there, she just goes crazy. <laughs> right. So, like, it could be interesting to see what they what they do with her. Well, but, considering she is one of the few people, apparently, that is able to destroy one of the stones, mm-hmm. I imagine she's going to have some part in doing that. Right. And that would be the thing. Give her agency. Let her overcome right. this in some way. I, would, I um, could see that happening... I could also see her being one of those ones that are self-sacrificial, as in, like, if he's got to go down, then I'll go down with him. Uh-huh. Maybe. Right. I'm not sure. But anyway, that just popped in my mind. But either way, I'm pretty sure Gamora is dead and is going to stay dead. Because she so was sad. very central to dying. And yeah. it is very sad. Like, her, yeah. her death was a main... It was a main point for Thanos. Right. Because we all and realized, I think, I oh, wow, he actually a... does love somebody. Mm-hmm. That's a shocker. I think that was a turning point for him. Yeah. Because I think what what they're trying to set up with him is this tragic figure who is outwardly saying, I'm doing this for the good of everyone. But what she was trying to tell him is that you say that you love me, but I know that you don't. Yeah. Because you don't care about me. Right. <laughs> like, you, everything, everything that is wrong about me, that was a very good line, everything that I hate about myself is from, from you. you. So, um, basically, in order to get the Soul Stone, you, uh, <laughs> what's his name, Red Skull? Yeah. Red Skull pops up. Red Skull up pops as a, up as, as, a, a wraith. as a wraith. Yes, totally a wraith. To, in limbo, guarding the Soul Stone. And he's just like, oh yeah, by the way, if you want this yeah, stone, you have to you have care to, about. Yeah, you have, to, you have to give a life for a life. And, uh, like, it's like you were saying, somebody that you care about. And so, 
uh, I think Gamora was aware um, of this, and I think she thought that she could show him, you know, the error of choice, but it ends up... But it proves to her, it proves to himself that he really is dedicated oh, no, to doing first, this. Her first play was telling Star-Lord to ki- kill to me. To kill me if he takes me, because she knows he's going to do something right. involving her. So uh, he tried to, but shoot bubbles. Yeah. It didn't work. Because um, reality bending sucks. Yeah. So uh, her second play mm-hmm. is like, like you, like she thinks maybe on a technicality, you don't love me, so this can't work. And he ends up throwing her off. And so it's a very tragic moment. But I think it's used to show that basically if you didn't hate him before, you hate him now. Yeah. Because uh, he is the type of person who will sacrifice anything, anything. to get what he wants. Um, but at the same token... Even I think himself, surprisingly. Like, I think he would have been fine if he had been one of the people that disintegrated. Right. Like, he is literally that signed on to this insanity. Right. Because he's literally dying when he does it. Thor buries an axe in his chest. Right. And he's in the middle of dying, and he's like, screw it, I'm doing it anyway. Like, he is literally that far gone crazy level, this has to be done for the good of the universe. Mm -hmm. I I think it's a very very good um, lesson in, as we were saying before, like, having characters like this that are so archetypal you think it's uh, it's very hard to write these people who are this crazy um <laughs> in a way that is satisfying but having that through line with Gamora right made it made it obvious for both of them mm-hmm. why they are what they are and why they were doing what they were doing right and and having the the backstory of Titan which is why I'm excited about the whole Doctor Strange apparently saw what's coming mm-hmm. arc part of this because yes it looks dire, and yes, this dude's crazy and thinks he knows what's good for the universe. Mm-hmm. But Doctor Strange knows why all this had to happen the way it happened. Right. So. Yeah. Plus, we all know there's part two and more movies coming. So. Yeah. <laughs> so we're not too sad about all the people that disintegrated. Mm-hmm. Except uh, Spider-Man scene, because that was sad. Oh my goodness. They, they made some more feely than others. Some people just turned to ash. Some people had seconds before they died, right. and they knew they were dying, like Spider-Man, who yeah. then throws himself into Iron Man's arms and starts crying and scared. And, yeah, don't like, let I me don't go. Want, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't go. want to go. I'm like, go. no, you can't do this yeah. to us. <laughs> yeah, it was a very sad moment. But now now that we're talking about Thanos, you read part of the original comic. I, I got through, like, Maybe the first comic book. I don't know how many pages uh-huh. there are usually because it was it was online. Uh-huh. So I was like scrolling through pages and it didn't really show where one book ended or anything. Right. Oh, okay. Um, but right off, I could tell it was going to be very different than the movie anyway because at the beginning of the set of comics, he already has all five Infinity Stones. Oh, okay. So they led up to it. Right. With other comics and yeah. stuff like that. So it was, or, or maybe he only needs one more. No, I think he has them all. Okay. I don't even remember. Which, because I got so distracted by all the other stuff, uh-huh. I don't even know who the person is who's with him. So you know that you know that he's doing it for death. No, that's not how it read at the beginning. Oh, he he's... convinced death that he was in love with her and got death to get him the rest of the stones. Oh, that's what happened. Uh huh. So yeah, death the... is in love with him, mm-hmm. and it looks like he betrayed her. Right. When he took the stones. Because, like, he told her what he was getting the stones for, but it was not what he was really getting the stones for. Uh-huh. Sort of thing. At least right. that's how I read it. 
And that's about as far as I got, because at this point I was like, right. A, death is a woman. When does that ever happen? <laughs> B, he has already got the stones, and who is this freaky sidekick? And then there was these people that I think were working for him. That death got to send, he got death to send into the dead bodies of humans, so they're now in human bodies that had just, like, driven off a cliff. So now they re-inhabited these bodies, and they were going to go do something for him on Earth. I was like... Wow. Yeah, it was, it was, but it was immediate cosmic crazy level right. stuff. Like, yeah. it wasn't even, and we're going to lead into this gently, the... no. It's, we're going to start <laughs> on some farm planet, and he's talking like he's a god. We're like... Right. That's okay. what I was saying with scope. Like, I think Guardians had different ideas and different um, locations, but having that thing of, like, I don't know what movie I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> that You get that often because with comics, it's different sets of writers that get to give different takes on different characters. So sometimes they'll just... They'll go a complete, like, 90-degree turn. Um, so but it starts with his sidekick monologuing about how amazing Thanos is and that he is God uh-huh. and that he is Is that Momoa? Was that the ugly face? Right? I think it was. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. I mean, no, not, I mean, it's a, it's a, he's it's like, a fictional character. He's like, but. picture like typical sci-fi alien, like X-Files alien dude. Mm-hmm. That's what he looked like to me, kind of. Right. Anyway. But yeah, so, I mean, I still would like to read Infinity Gauntlet. Uh-huh. But it, it's very, very different. So the, in terms of framing it as all these heroes coming together... I didn't even get to the heroes yet. Yeah, so it goes... But, that's the, but I that, imagine that's still the idea, is that it's still bringing all of these people... Uh-huh. Well, the, I think... But I think that that's a... It's, important, it's an important point to make about the difference between what entertainment has become and how... I think what the balance is now is that you have you have so many choices as to the media that you're going to select and so what studios are afraid of is if they take a chance on something that people aren't going to recognize that and they'll lose them from the get-go. I think Guardians is an example of how you can take a risk, you can take your time to develop the people, the characters, and it won't it won't matter because they they did the work beforehand to create the brand Marvel right right and so people trusted that enough to give Guardians a chance and now we have these characters that we really love that weren't popular in the comics even <laughs> like they they had a, a limited series that came out in like 2008 but it wasn't I didn't know who they were until I saw the movie right and I, I like them on um, so, uh, it's, I think that just shows that, like, there, I think one thing that's going to be a theme in this podcast is that we miss a time when you would find something, some classic story that is classic because of the ideas and the, uh, characters that are presented in it, and it's not necessary, it's not, like, a reboot or an adaptation or something. It's just this idea, this character executed well. Mm -hmm. Um, We have less of that now than we did. Yes. But I think it's good that we have uh, movies now that, even though they're based on archetypes, they're based on stories that we've told, uh, you know, again and again, that they're still done well. Yeah. And that you still like the characters, you like the ideas, and that there are those things there. They're not just explosions. (laughs) 
so we both really enjoyed the movie. Um, I think that they did a good job, and um, I'm looking forward to the next movie, even though this one was a bum, bit of a bummer. Um, right. It was still it was still enticing. Um, and are, are you also are you excited for Captain Marvel? I'm very excited for Captain Marvel. I am hoping since we have now had the success of Wonder Woman, and Marvel has had several fairly successful female leads, semi-leads, supporting uh, characters, that this one's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. I think they're going to be able to do it right and have a cool female superhero with her own movie. That's what I am looking forward to. We are hoping for it, because even as much as I loved Wonder Woman, it still wasn't quite the level of storytelling that we were getting from Marvel. I mean, it was good. Uh-huh. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed it. I really liked her. Mm-hmm. Um, the actress Godot playing her uh-huh. fantastic stuff but it's still not the I don't know it could have it could have been better but we want the Marvel version we got yes, the DC version yes we got the DC version the archetype we want the Marvel we want, version uh, yeah we want a little more to shoot on before we end I want to bring up this stupid movie coming out called The Spy Who Dumped Me I can't get it out of my head The Spy Who Dumped Me? yeah because I, I specifically have a, an axe to grind because I was writing a, uh, well, it was a kind of ensemble thing. There's three characters, and the whole thing is supposed to be modern-day spy thing, and so it's part of it as a throwback, but it deals with social politics. It deals with racism, sexism, and, um, yeah, a whole bunch of different stuff. Uh, but this movie is Mila Kunis and the blonde that was in um, Ghostbusters, Who's from Saturday Night Live too? Okay, it's it's the joke, and literally, it's in the tagline is minimum experience, maximum damage, and the entire joke is they're women, and they're trying to and they're trying to fight the bad, and it's like how insulting is yeah. this? Oh, I remember the to, trailer for that. Yeah, yeah, that did look horrible. It's just sad because. Like, I could see, like, for example, Spy. The whole point was this woman who's been in the office and has been this level of, right. like, intelligent and doing her job is then expected to actually go out into the field. And so you've got to characterize. They're not a complete idiot. No. Who is... And she can actually do some stuff. Right. She kicked some butt in that movie. Right. It's cool. And, and, like, and you also get the whole thing of, like, you can relate to this person who has been... Uh, it's kind of like an underdog. Right. Like, you are rooting for them because they actually have skills right. that they're going to prove to you that they have. But I just... I, I'm sorry. I just need to bring this up no, because... it does. It looks Watching bad. the trailer for that, it just looks like the whole joke is... Mo- a, Obviously, uh, like a modern-day woman is, like, always on Pinterest or something, and, like, they can't really handle, like, an actual... Right. And, like, maybe if they were thing. teenagers, if they were younger... Uh-huh. Than they are, and they're trying yeah, like, to show part like, of, but part no, these the are like middle-aged ladies. They can't drive a car. It's yeah, like a stick shift, right, or something. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Yeah, this is just why. Why are you doing this? You know what might On have been better. On the other hand, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, what might have been better is if one of them was capable, one of them wasn't. Right. And so they were showing like capable women exist. Yeah. This, this one is not one of them. <laughs> and so you could do the Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. That, that kind could of be thing. funny. But but, that, but no, so both, of, just, them both of them were bumbling morons, and it's terrible. It's so sad. On the other hand, Kin looks like it's going to be awesome. Oh, holy smokes. 
Yeah, I, I love that the it's the producers of Stranger Things and the producers of... What was the other thing? Um, it was Stranger Things and... Get Out, wasn't it? Something, yeah. I'm trying to remember. Something like that. But anyway, uh, I like that it was like, it sets up this family dynamic. And, and, and that, that to me is, a, a, is another genre we don't get a lot of, but I like where there is normal life... But then there's one extraordinary thing, and in this movie, it's it's a, a like alien technology, so that there's a a, a young African American uh, boy who finds a alien gun, and his brother is involved in some kind of crime, and so he takes it upon himself, I think in one, in one scene, or maybe throughout the movie, um, to uh, get his brother out of this situation that he's in by fighting with the thing, but it just complicates matters, yeah. as obviously it would. Um, but it's because it's by the people that are doing Stranger Things, it really makes me uh, excited to see, like, that become a more prevalent, like, genre and that we see more of. Um, Ten Cloverfield Lane was another one where it was just ingenuity and, and real characters that also have some cool sci-fi element oh, to it. Put in, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so. It reminds me a lot more of, I think they call it social, not really social science fiction, but there's there are older, when when science fiction was nothing but short stories in a magazine, uh-huh. and there were some very literary ones being done. That's what it was. It was real characters, real stories, you know, normal stuff that could have been in any other genre. Mm-hmm. With a science fiction element. Right. You know, <clears throat> as opposed to being set in an entirely different science fiction world. Right, right. Okay, so uh, thank you for listening. Um, if you want to send in emails, you can email us at unboxingstorypodcast at gmail.com. Um, our next episode is going to be about Star Wars uh, to celebrate May, May the 4th. Um, we're going to talk about Star Wars and genre blending uh, because, you know, it's like a Western and sci-fi and fantasy all in one thing. So, uh, it's and about the original trilogy. Um, and, and we're probably going to stick mostly just to the original trilogy for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's kind of like about George Lucas's uh, input and in creating that world. Uh, also, um, uh, we're probably going to go see that... Um, that breaking breaking in movie, yes. Um, because that the more that I see from it, the the more interesting it looks. Is that what's next? Um, that's that would be May the fourteenth. Okay. Um, and uh, it's like a siege movie starring Gabrielle Union. So, uh, if you have anything about siege movies, think Taking a Pelham One Two Three or um, at at what Panic Room, those types of things. You can write in about that. Uh, and then Fahrenheit 451, there's going to be an HBO uh, movie um, adaptation of that. Um, and so we're going to be talking about dystopias. Um, Which I love. I love dystopia stories. <laughs> yeah, so we're probably going to have multiple episodes about that. Um, but this one is specifically like a social dystopia. It's like the people decide we don't want books anymore. In fact, let's burn them all. So uh, we'll be uh, anticipating those um, and, and those episodes. Thanks again for uh, tuning in. Yep, thank you. And bye-bye. Bye.